The following message was recorded during the Friends of Israel 2010 National Prophecy Conference season. These meetings were held in Winona Lake, Indiana and Lancaster, Pennsylvania. For other audio resources from the Friends of Israel, visit us at foi.org. Daniel chapter 12, topic of this hour is Israel's prophetic future. Israel's prophetic future. And I'm going to be bringing two messages on Daniel chapter 12 because I believe it encompasses so many things of what's going to happen to Israel in the future, specifically the time of the uh, Great Tribulation that's going to come upon the face of the earth. Often I'm asked the question, do you think Israel will survive? And I categorically say, yes, I believe Israel is going to survive. And then sometimes the person will have a follow-up question And they'll say, is there any way to know Israel's future in advance? And I have an answer for that. Yes, Bible prophecy, specifically in the prophets, tells us what is going to happen to Israel in the future. Somebody has stated that prophecy is history pre-written. And I believe that is true. We believe that the Word of God is truth, it is the truth, and what is written here is going to come to fruition in the future. Now, I believe Daniel is the backbone of prophecy. There is so much that is stated in the book of Daniel concerning what's going to happen to the nation of Israel in the future. And I jotted down just a few of the prophecies that I just very quickly want to mention before we move on. Uh, Daniel speaks in chapter 2 and chapter 7 of the times of the Gentiles. It uh, also talks about the revival of the old Roman Empire in chapter 2 and chapter 7. In chapter 9, it speaks about the Messiah's appearance. Chapter 9... Jerusalem being rebuilt, chapter 9, the Messiah's death, chapter 9, the destruction of Jerusalem, and then it also speaks about the Antichrist, the rise of the Antichrist, his covenant with the nation of Israel, the Antichrist breaking the covenant with Israel, his claim to deity, his persecution of Israel, his pollution of the temple, his defense of Israel against an invasion, invading horde of Islamic nations, his military conquest, his doom, all that is stated in Daniel about the Antichrist. And then Christ's second coming is mentioned, the resurrection of the dead, the rewarding of the righteous, the judgment of the wicked, Christ's kingdom coming to earth, And then uh, the increase of the knowledge of prophecy in the last days. Now, I didn't exhaust Daniel, but you ought to get in and dig into Daniel and really study this book. A lot of people want to go right to the book of Revelation, you know, and study that first. But I would uh, admonish you to, uh, first of all, study the book of Daniel and then move into the book of Revelation. Uh, 
Well, I'm sure there are those who would question the insight of the book of Daniel and say, how do we know this is from God in a prophecy that uh, came directly from the lips of uh, uh, God the Father to the prophet Daniel? Well, I believe all you have to do is go over to Matthew chapter 24, verse 15, where Jesus Christ is talking about the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet. And Jesus confirmed what Daniel said as being from God. I don't know about you, but that's all I need to believe that this is from God the Father And uh, Jesus over in Luke 24, too, mentioned about the prophets, and he quotes so many of the prophets. So he would believe, and he states that the prophecies have come from God in the book of Daniel. Now, I read recently there are over a thousand prophecies uh, in the Bible, and this author said 500 of them have been fulfilled. But, uh, you know, there have been books written about the historical fulfillment that can be archaeologically proven that these prophecies are from God and have been fulfilled. And so Daniel is really one of the key prophecies that we need to study in order to get an overview of Israel in the future, and especially Daniel chapter 12. Now, I've been coming to these prophecy conferences down at Winona Lake and having days in the prophetic word and um, here at uh, Willow Valley for just a number of years. I've never heard anybody speak on Daniel chapter 12, but Daniel chapter 12 encompasses so much of what's going to happen with the nation in the latter days. Now, I have three main points that we want to touch on today, and then we will have some sub-points as well. We're going to see, first of all, the revelation, and then we're going to see the resurrection, and then we're going to see the reward to uh, the Jewish people during the time of the tribulation. Uh, This morning, we're only focusing in on uh, chapter 11, verse 40, through Daniel chapter 12, Verse 3. Now let's begin. The Revelation says here, verse 1, And there shall be a time of trouble such as was never since, well, there be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, referring to the nation of Israel. Now, uh, what God is saying here is that this time that's going to come upon the nation of Israel is like nothing that Israel has ever experienced in her history. Now, you don't have to go very far into Israel's history and see that she has suffered so much down through the centuries. We put out a magazine years ago, maybe some of you remember reading it, Uh, where we dealt with anti-Semitism down through the centuries, especially the Middle East, uh, I mean the Middle Ages, and the Holocaust. And, uh, you know, it's a wonder that there's a Jewish person still alive on the face of the earth after all she has had to suffer. 
books have been written upon the suffering of the Jewish people during the Middle Ages. Books have been uh, written upon uh, Israel going through the Holocaust uh, during the Second World War. Some of you have been to Auschwitz, and I've been to Auschwitz as well. You can see a whole bookshelf just on what happened at Auschwitz in the suffering of the Jewish people. But Israel has survived. But God prophesied this long before Israel ever went into the land of Canaan. In fact, in the book of Deuteronomy, just before Israel's ready to go into the land of Canaan, in chapter 4, Moses gives insight of what's going to happen to Israel once she goes in to possess that land. And uh, Moses spells out, once you go in and possess the land, you're going to forget about God, you're going to commit idolatry, you're going to be scattered across the face of the earth, you're going to be suffering like no other nation has ever suffered. But he mentions the great tribulation and the great time of trouble that's going to come upon the nation of Israel. For I read in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 30, When thou art in tribulation, and all these things have come upon thee. Now you say, well, that could be any tribulation in Israel's history. Not so, because the next phrase says, in the latter days. So even Moses told Israel what was going to happen to her before she went into the land uh, of Canaan. And then near the end of uh, Deuteronomy in chapter 28... God enumerated blessings that would come upon uh, the nation of Israel in the first 14 verses. But beginning with verse 15, we have uh, Moses stating, but. And anytime you see a but there, there's a contrast. But these curses shall come upon you. Somebody has enumerated that there would be uh, 200 curses come upon the nation of Israel because she turned her back upon God. And you can read through that chapter, beginning with verse 15, through the end of the chapter, and you can see all that God says Israel would have to suffer. But uh, this time is going to be a time when the Antichrist is going to pour out his wrath upon a literal, physical Israel, and it'll be a time like Israel has not suffered in her history. And Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 7, calls this time Jacob's trouble. Well, as we look at the revelation that's given here, there are a number of movements and things that are going to be taking place. There are four um, main things that I want you to see under uh, this point in verse 1, and we're going to see that there's going to be an Islamic horde that comes down upon the nation of Israel to try to destroy her. There's going to be the time of Armageddon, and there is also going to be uh, the involvement of the Antichrist that's going to play a major role in this time, but then there's going to be the Ark angel that is going to come to the defense of Israel. And so you might say there's going to be the attack of a select group of nations, an attack of all nations, 
the Antichrist, and then uh, the archangel, who really is Michael. He's the only archangel mentioned in the Bible, and Jude uh, mentions his name uh, in the book of Jude. And so these are four movements under the revelation that I just want to touch on before we move on to the resurrection of Israel. Now, uh, first of all, there's going to be the Antichrist. And uh, Rennie Showers in the last hour painted a beautiful picture of what was going to happen uh, when the Antichrist is revealed. And... uh, When I say beautiful picture, I mean he did a good job of it. I don't mean that it's a beautiful picture for the world. It's going to be a horrific picture for the world. And as Rennie said, we are not going to be here when this uh, happens. Don't you praise God for that? That's at least if you are a believer. And from the amens, I believe that many of us are believers. If you're not a believer, you're going to be left behind and have to go into this awful time of tribulation that's going to come upon the face of the earth. But let me just uh, kind of review some things about the Antichrist before we move on. He's going to be a dynamic person. Revelation chapter 13 verse 2 states that he's going to be empowered by Satan. And he's going to be given power, he's going to be given a throne, and he's going to be given not just authority, but great authority. And God's allowing this to happen. But Satan is really moving this man as well and behind him, putting him up uh, to be his man to accomplish what he wants during that time. His disposition, we've already heard in the last hour, Daniel chapter 11, verse 36. He's going to do according to his own will. That is his disposition. His deification, Daniel chapter 11, verses 36 and 37. He's going to magnify himself above every god. And in verse 37 it says, Neither shall he regard the gods of his fathers. I know the King James Version says God of his fathers, but the word here is Elohim. In Hebrew it's really saying the gods of his fathers. And so he's not going to recognize any god. Well, somebody might say, uh, you know, is he a Jew or is he a Gentile? Uh, because it says the gods of his fathers. Well, I know there are different opinions on this, but I take that he is a Gentile, he's not Jewish. He's coming on the scene as a political leader uh, to begin with, but then he is going to demand worship. And so I see him coming as a political leader, a Gentile political leader. You say, well, how could Jewish people follow him? says that uh, many will, but not all will follow him. Not all in Israel be duped into following him, but many will. Uh, they see him as a political leader, possibly trying to bring peace. You know the covenant that is going to be made with the Antichrist that Reddy talked about in the last hour, Daniel 9.27. Uh, it says that he, and he is the Antichrist, is going to confirm or firm up a strong binding covenant with the nation of Israel. 
And uh, then I believe another reason why he's a Gentile is that he's going to come into this Jewish temple, uh, spoken of in Matthew chapter 24, and he, a Gentile, is going to desecrate it uh, with his presence. He really desecrates it in three ways. He desecrates it with his presence. He desecrates it uh, by the false prophets setting up an image of the Antichrist, Revelation 13, 15, and then uh, that he demands that the world would bow down and worship him. And so um, I see uh, that he is a Gentile, not a Jewish person. Now, he also is going to come to the defense of Israel. Now, why would he come to the defense of Israel? He's made a covenant, Daniel 9, 27. He's made a covenant with the nation of Israel, and he wants to defend, I believe, his interests that he has in the Middle East. Now, uh, this is all spelled out in, uh, just in capsule form in Daniel chapter 11, beginning with verse number 40. And uh, the question we want to ask is, when is this going to happen? Well, uh, it says here in verse 40, it says, uh, at the time of the end. At the time of the end. Now, uh, this could also be interpreted in the time of the end. Doesn't uh, ref reference necessarily to the end of the time of the tribulation. Could be in the time of the end. I believe that Daniel 40 and following uh, really tracks the whole time of the tribulation, portions of the first half all the way through the second half of that time. Now, what it says here in verse 40 is that the king of the south, and uh, I believe that that is Egypt, and the king of the north, it says here, that they are going to push uh, at Israel. I believe that is the picture that is being drawn here. When the Antichrist sees the king of the south pushing up and the king of the north, which is Syria, coming down, uh, then it says here uh, that uh, he shall come against him like a whirlwind with chariots and with horsemen and many ships. And he shall enter into countries and shall overflow and pass through. He's going to come, I believe, uh, from Europe where he has... His initial headquarters there, possibly Rome, he's going to come down into the Middle East to try to defend um, what he has here in Israel. And uh, then it says in verse uh, 41 that he shall enter the glorious land. The glorious land here is speaking about, naturally, the nation of Israel. In verse 41, also, there are some nations that are going to escape his wrath as he comes down. Edom, Moab, Ammon will escape uh, destruction. I believe that it's possible that um, when the Antichrist breaks the covenant that he's made with the nation of Israel and starts to persecute the Jewish people, there will be a remnant of believers that will flee. Remember what Matthew chapter 24 says? And when you see the abomination of desolation taking place, flee. Don't go back to your house for anything. Get out of there. 
I believe a lot of them are going to go over into Edom and a remnant of Jewish people are going to be protected by the Lord. So it's interesting that the Antichrist doesn't go over Jordan or Transjordan to uh, conquer those people. He goes right straight to Egypt in the south and goes right down the Mediterranean coast. So... um, If you remember, too, over in Isaiah chapter 63, uh, when the Lord comes back at the second coming, his garments are going to be uh, red with blood, and he goes to Basra to, uh, I believe, liberate a group of uh, Jewish believers that are there. So um, we see him coming down uh, through Israel, And it says here in verse 42, He shall stretch forth his hand also upon countries, and the land of Egypt shall not escape. I mean, he's going to destroy, defeat the land of Egypt. Uh, But he shall have power over that treasures of gold and of silver and over uh, precious uh, things of Egypt, and the Libyans and the Ethiopians shall be at his steps, or literally at his heels. So the picture here is that he comes against uh, Egypt, takes Egypt, takes the treasures of Egypt. I think as he comes through, he also will uh, destroy uh, the Syrian power that has come down upon the nation of Israel. Now, as you move to verse 44, he receives a message, but tidings out of the east and out of the north shall trouble him, therefore he shall go forth with great fury to destroy and to utterly sweep away many. What's tidings out of the north? Well, I think this could be the far north, and it could be speaking about uh, the land out of the land of Magog, where Russia is. And out of the east, well, could be out of uh, what we call Iran today, but in biblical times was Persia. This well could be the time when uh, uh, Islamic hordes will come down with Russia to try to take the spoil of Israel. And this is all spelled out in Ezekiel chapters 38 and 39. Now, uh, it's very interesting. If you look at Russia, Russia is pretty large. It covers 11 time zones. And you can go uh, all the way from Eastern Europe all the way east. And on the border of uh, southern Russia are many Islamic people. Some of them even live in what was uh, the old Soviet Union. But when you read Ezekiel chapter 38, verse 5, you'll notice that there are a number of uh, nations that are mentioned. There's Persia. um, There's also Ethiopia, which I believe is Sudan. uh, There is Gomer, where the... Uh, Scythian tribes live. There's the house of Tagarma, the uh, north quarter. That could be the area of Armenia. And uh, Bill spoke about Turkey uh, at length yesterday and how uh, Turkey is now uh, uh, really flexing its Islamic muscles and 
So we know that Turkey, massive Turkey, will be in this horde that comes down. Now, Libya and Ethiopia or Sudan in the south, they are at the heels of the Antichrist as he's coming back uh, really to defend uh, Israel against the hordes that are coming down. But what happens? Well, Ezekiel chapter uh, 38 tells us in uh, verses 19 through 22 that the Antichrist does not have to do one thing to defend uh, what uh, he has covenant with Israel on. Uh, what is going to happen is that uh, God himself gets the victory. And a massive earthquake takes place as this horde comes over the Caucasus Mountains down on the mountains of Israel. And uh, an earthquake is going to destroy many. You know, an earthquake is going to cause a lot of upheaval and dust and confusion. Well, the army, as uh, the earthquake takes place, becomes confused and they have what we call today as friendly fire, they literally destroy themselves. <laughs> and uh, that's in Ezekiel chapter 38. It'll be like the Midianites, you know, down in the valley, and the Israelis blew the shofar like Steve does, and uh, broke the vessels, and the hillside lit up, and what happened? Well, the army of the Midianites got up, and they literally destroyed themselves. So uh, that'll take place. A massive plague breaks out throughout this army. The plague will be some type, I think, of disease, maybe caused by uh, the problems of, the, of, of what's happening on earth, but it could be God allowing some type of disease to break out throughout this army, a plague, and destroy them. And then the fourth thing that destroys them, God literally rains fire and brimstone down upon them and destroys them. The whole army is destroyed. The Antichrist didn't have to lift a finger to destroy this army. Uh, Israel, it says over in chapter 39 of Ezekiel, around verse 20, that... Uh, Israel did not have to defend herself. God defended Israel and got the victory. So God got the victory. Now, uh, there is kind of a vacuum now. This huge Islamic army with Russia has been destroyed. And so I think uh, this comes to the midpoint of the tribulation. And what happens? Well... The Antichrist is going to take dominion at this time. He's going to take dominion, break the covenant, uh, go into Jerusalem, commit the abomination of desolation, set up his, his image in the temple, demand that the world worship him. If they do not, they're taken out and done away with. And Israel's given a warning to flee from all of this. Well... It's very interesting that it says in Revelation chapter 13, verse 8, that the whole world is going to worship him. And this is allowed by God. And these who are uh, going to worship him are not the redeemed during the time of the tribulation. You say, how do you know that? 
Because it goes on to say in verse uh, 8 that these are not written in the book of life. And so um, uh, it's going to be the rest of the world that's going to worship him. They don't take the mark of the beast. Uh, They don't worship his image. And uh, many of them are going to have to suffer the giving up of their life because of that. But his, um, his reign or his dominion is cut short for it says in Revelation chapter 13 verse 5 that uh, it's only going to last 42 months or three and a half years, the last three and a half years of the tribulation. Well, uh, coming back to uh, Daniel chapter 11, we notice that uh, verse 45, the destruction here of the Antichrist, says that he will come to his end and none shall help him. Now, when is this going to happen? It happens at the second coming of the Lord. When the Lord comes back the second time, um, uh, Rennie was speaking on Second Thessalonians chapter 2 in the last hour. It says in verse 8 there that he is going to destroy him, speaking of the Antichrist, with the brightness of the, his coming and the word of his mouth. means uh, he just speaks the word and the Antichrist is destroyed. Now because he's destroyed doesn't mean that he goes off and is annihilated in some way. Not at all. Because the destiny of the Antichrist is clearly given in Revelation chapter 19 verse 20. He's going to be cast alive, alive, not dead, alive into the lake of fire. And so will the false prophet and all of those who worship the Antichrist. So uh, here in this really section of Daniel, we see not only the Antichrist, the Islamic nations that are going to come down, uh, we'll see that there's going to be an Armageddon as well. So Armageddon is going to take place, and that happens when all the nations of the world are going to converge upon Israel at the end of the time of the tribulation. Uh, it says in Zechariah 14, to all the nations of the world, I guess we'd be included there if we're still a nation when this happens. Um, But uh, uh, not only that, Revelation tells us about this time that it's a battle of the great day of God Almighty. Now this word battle, really the Greek word means campaign. It's just not one battle. There's a campaign of battles uh, in a 200 mile radius of Jerusalem. And Zechariah chapter 14 spells a lot of this out. But at the second coming of the Lord, he is going to destroy the nations that come up to do battle uh, with the nation of Israel. Now, um, this is kind of the movement through uh, the book of, uh, uh, of Daniel here in the Great Tribulation. But I mentioned earlier in the message concerning the archangel Michael. Now, it says here in verse 1, 
It says, Shall Michael stand up for the children of thy people? Uh, telling Daniel that Michael the archangel is going to stand up for the Jewish people at that time. Well, uh, don't have time to go into everything that Michael does because we got to move on. But uh, let me just name a few things that Michael does. First of all, his description. His description. He's called the chief prince in Daniel chapter 10, verse 13. And in verse 21 of Daniel 10, he's called your, speaking of Israel's, prince. So he's really standing for Israel. He's a defender. Notice what it says here. He's going to stand up for Israel. I guess you could call him a guardian angel, you know. He's watching over Israel, going to make sure she survives against all these things that are mediating against her annihilation. It talks about the distress in verse 1, the time of trouble. We've already mentioned that. It's Jacob's trouble. It's during the time of the Great Tribulation. And then you see here <clears throat> the defeat of the devil. Now, you don't see it in Daniel chapter 12, but you've got to go over to Revelation chapter 12 in verses 7 through 9. There is a war where Michael the archangel cast uh, the devil and his angels out of heaven to the earth. And then uh, there is really deliverance here going back to Daniel chapter 12 verse 1. At the, that time uh, thy people shall be delivered. They're going to be delivered. They're going to survive Gog and Magog. Uh, they're going to provide, be provided safety from the Antichrist rage. And Rennie was touching on this in the last hour. Revelation chapter 12, verse 6. They have a place prepared for them by God for 1260 days. And I believe, as I mentioned earlier, that's over in Edom. <clears throat> well, they're going to be saved from the time of the Great Tribulation. And Michael, I think, is going to play a major role in this too. Uh, when the Lord comes back at the second coming, he's going to save a remnant. Now remember that in Zechariah chapter 13 and verse 9, it tells that one-third out of all Israel is going to survive the time of the Great Tribulation. Two-thirds will die. But I think uh, the archangel Michael has a hand in, in preserving one-third that come through the fire at that time and will be the one-third, the all-Israel, that will come to a saving knowledge of Jesus at his second coming. Now that's the revelation. Now let's move on to the resurrection that's mentioned. The word resurrection is uh, presented in the Old Testament. Job the uh, patriarch said in Job chapter 19, verse 26, The worms destroy this body in my flesh, I shall see God. David talked about a resurrection in Psalms, Psalms uh, 17, 15, 49, 15, and 71, 20. He said in verse 15 of chapter 17, I shall be uh, 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 satisfied when I wake <clears throat> with thy likeness. 
In chapter 49, verse 15, God will redeem my soul from the power of Sheol or from uh, the netherworld, the righteous area, the grave where he has uh, gone after his death. He will survive that experience. And then uh, in Psalm 71, verse 20, it clearly says, shall bring me up again from the depths of the earth. And so he believed in a, a resurrection. We talk about uh, the resurrection as being physical. Uh, in verse 2 here, it says that uh, those who sleep in the dust of the earth, um, the dust of the earth here is a euphemism, I mean, sleep here is a euphemism for uh, really death. And we know, as already heard during the prophecy conference, absent from the body, uh, present with the Lord. Uh, in chapter 2 here, uh, the resurrection is going to be particular. Uh, it's going to not be all at uh, the time, but only the righteous. And let me just read verse 2 for you. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are resurrected to everlasting life, it's talking about a particular resurrection. It says here that many, not all, are going to be resurrected. So uh, those who say, like the amillennials, there's just one big general resurrection, that's not true. You can go through Scripture and you can see there's different resurrections there is going to be a resurrection of those to eternal life, and then later on there's going to be a resurrection of those to contempt or shame eternal death. So what it is saying here is that the righteous are going to be resurrected at a certain time, get their glorified bodies at that time, and I believe this is going to be just prior to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, that they are going to receive a resurrected body at that time, and so they are part of the first resurrection that is going to take place. And then there is going to be a position for the wicked dead here in verse 2, those who are resurrected to shame, reproach, and contempt, that means they're abhorred. And uh, this is the second death. This is mentioned, has nothing to do with spiritual life at all. These are those who are the lost, and they're going to be cast alive into the lake of fire. Well, there speaks about a reward here in verse number 3. And they that be wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. Well, the picture here is there are going to be those who are righteous, and they are called wise. That means they're prudent, they have insight, they have discernment, they act wisely. They don't fall to the Antichrist propaganda, nor pressure to worship him, but uh, they are those who have come to the Lord, believe in the Lord, and will sidestep that whole thing. 
They are the righteous. Now it talks about they're going to shine. There's going to be a radiance about them. They shall shine like the brightness of the firmament. As the stars light up the heavens and give off their glory and shine, this remnant is going to shine as well and be glorious. And then there's the redeemed of others that are mentioned here at the end of verse 3. Those who turn many to righteousness. These are going to be those who turn other people to righteousness. Well, you remember the 144,000 flaming Jewish evangelists mentioned in Revelation chapter 7? I believe that these are the group that is being mentioned. They are 144,000 Jewish people that get saved, go out and preach the gospel of the kingdom of the whole world, and a mixed multitude of Jews and Gentiles get saved. And so uh, this is a glorious picture that's going to take place for the Jewish people. 